Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. And now, here's our pastor, Cornelius Phillips, with today's message. I, I want tonight to uh, continue. We started last Wednesday night, and I talked about uh, the faithfulness of God, and uh, there's something that's been on my heart for quite a while. And uh, but we we talked about uh, God and His faithfulness, and we talked about how that Jeremiah, uh, uh, in the book of Lamentations, uh, chapter three, that uh, Jeremiah kind of painted the the picture of a man uh, that had been beaten, beaten up, uh, run over, uh, just uh, abused by uh, the enemy. And Jeremiah really painted this, this picture. He was lamenting over the nation of Jerusalem, the, the city of Jerusalem and, and the destruction of that city. And he was lamenting. That's what the book of Lamentations is. It's a book of laments. Uh, five chapters of of laments from from Jeremiah, and uh, and we talked about how that uh, he painted this this grim, dark picture uh, of what was going on, and and then uh, down at the bottom of chapter three, he talked about it's it's uh, because of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed, that we're not uh, like that, and he said his mercies are new. Every morning, every day, God's mercies are new, and I'm glad of that. I'm glad that that I don't use them all up today. I'm glad that God doesn't issue out quotas uh, once a week and say you've got this amount of mercy uh, to use up this week because I'd run out probably Monday around lunchtime. But uh, but I'm glad that His mercies are new every day, and the reason that I talked about that is because uh, sometimes. We go through things in our lives. We go through cycles. We go through periods of time in our in our lives where it seems like every time we turn around, uh, we're losing something. Every time uh, we turn around, we're going through another trial. Before we get out of that one, we're facing another battle. And before we get through with that one, we're we've been hit uh, blindsided by something else. And sometimes. Uh, it gets to the place to where you look up to heaven and you say, God, what is going on? God, I, I, you know, I don't know about, and I'm sure that you do, but I've, I've gotten to the place sometimes to where you just almost get numb. You just get numb to all the stuff that's going on around you and, and you get on your knees and you try to pray and it just seems like that, that you can't get words out to pray. Uh, and uh, it's in times like that that, that I said the other night, because of our humanness, because we're, we're humans, and, and because when I pinch you, you will, you will say, ouch, because we're humans, we sometimes get this idea, and, and a lot of it comes from uh, the, the church culture that we've been uh, uh, subjected to uh, that would tell us that if we're Christians, if we have faith, we're not going to experience things like that. Uh, we're in a culture today, a church culture, that says uh, that, that you know, as, as long as you belong to God, uh, everything's going to be good. You're not going to, you're not going to experience any tr- struggles and, and trials and, and battles and things like that. And, and we, even if we don't believe it, we hear it. And if we're not careful when things start going wrong and when, when trials start coming our way and, and, and things start going south on us, we'll, we'll look up to God and, and, and we'll say, God, I don't understand uh, what's going on. You, you, you're supposed to be here. You're supposed to cover me. You're supposed to bless me. And unfortunately, there are many people tonight, perhaps you know some, that are not in church now because they're angry with God 
They're, they're frustrated with God because something happened and God didn't respond in the way that they felt like he should. And so now they've allowed that to become uh, the, the catalyst that would get them out of church and keep them away from God. Friend, there's a lot, lot of people that are in that condition. I, I know people to die, tonight that I can go uh, take you to their house and they're, they're not in church because they prayed for God to heal a marriage and the marriage wasn't healed and they're angry with God and they, they refuse, they blame it on God. But I want you to know tonight that even in the midst of all of our struggles, all of our trials, God is faithful. And I want to tell you that tonight and I want you to get that I, I, I wanted to preach this Sunday morning, but God had other plans. But, but I want you to get this, and I want you to, uh, you know, even in, in, in spite of all of my mess-ups and failures, I want you to get people to listen to this because I know that there are people that are struggling because they don't understand. And they think that the church, they think that God is supposed to move and, and things are not bad things don't happen to good people. But I want you to know tonight that the rain falls on our everybody's head. It doesn't matter if you pray in tongues every day. It doesn't matter if you're the biggest heathen around. The same rain still falls on our head. Amen? So tonight, I want us to look at that, uh, and we're going to talk about, I, I, I want to title this tonight, I Smell Water, uh, and you'll get that later on. Uh, but this is something that God showed me, a scripture that God showed me several months ago and uh, I, I turned to it last week and God began to deal with me about it but uh, you know when you talk about uh, the kingdom of God and when bad things happen we can see all throughout scripture bad things has happened uh, to great men of God one of, one of the uh, places that really jumps out to me is the story of Jesus you know on the cross in Luke chapter 23, uh, Jesus was on the cross, and the Bible says that that as he was hanging on the cross, that uh, the the people, uh, the King James version uses the word derided. Uh, they walked by him and derided him. Excuse me, and and the reason that they did, they made this statement that if you are really who you said you were then you could come down from the cross. Really, if you're who you said you were, what are you doing on the cross? If you're the son of God, if you are the king of kings and, and the Lord of lords, what are you doing on the cross? And you see, that's that picture there that, that they were thinking, well, if he is who he says he is, he shouldn't be going through this. He, he shouldn't be experiencing this. And so the Bible says in Luke 23, along about 35 through 37, uh, that the soldiers mocked him and, and, and the people uh, said, you saved others, save yourself. And then in verse 37, if thou be the king of the Jews, save yourself. And it's easy today, and even in the in the uh, the storms that we've had, and and things like that, it it just really gets under my skin to hear preachers get up and start talking about, well, this is the judgment of God, and and all of that. I want to tell you something tonight. Bad things have happened throughout history. Now God uses signs to speak to people, and there's no question about that. But I want you to know that every storm that comes along, every typhoon that happens is not the judgment of God. You can agree with that or not. It doesn't matter with me, but I'm not going to fall out with you if you don't agree. But I'm just telling you tonight, uh, I don't need to take a tragedy to capitalize on it, uh, to preach the gospel message to somebody and, and try to get them to hear it. The gospel speaks for itself. If we don't ever have a storm, we've still got the gospel message and the gospel message will always speak for itself. Jesus don't need a storm to get people to recognize who he is. Amen? And I'm gonna get off of that soapbox. All right? I'm not downing people that do that, but I want you to understand not everything that happens that's bad is, is the judgment of God. 
God's judgment hand is on this nation because we've sinned. So we're going to see a lot of things, but not everything that happens can be uh, labeled as, well, this is the judgment of God. Amen? Hallelujah. It's hurricane season. It happens every year. <laughs> These things happen in the tropics, okay? All right, all right. So let me get on from there. I'm going to be killed the spirit here. But, uh, <laughs> in First uh, Peter chapter 4 and beginning with verse 12, let's, let's look at this. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters, yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Now, I want you to go back to verse 12 and notice what uh, Peter said. He said, Beloved, don't think it strange or weird or crazy uh, concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. And he used that word fiery there, and that word fiery simply means trials that purify and purge. All right? So, so Peter was saying, listen, don't think it's strange if, if you go through a fiery trial. Don't think it weird if, if these trials come your way. In other words, don't, don't think that God is against you because you have to go through trials. Don't, don't get discouraged and down and out and angry at God because uh, you got bit by the dog when you went out of the house this morning or, or it, it rained on your parade or something like that. But, but Peter was saying these are fiery trials that are meant uh, not to destroy you, but they're meant to make you stronger. Everybody, every individual in here tonight, you are, you are 80% of who you are by what you've gone through in your past. And that percentage is not on Google or Facebook anywhere. I just come up with that because I thought that was a pretty good percentage. All right? But you are 80% the person that you are because of what you've gone through in the past. You can either be 80% no good for nothing and bad because you've suffered some things in the past and they have negatively affected you and they've caused you to go inward. They've caused you to quit growing. They've caused you to become stagnant. They've caused you to become angry with God. And tonight, you 80% of who you are is because of something that happened to you years ago. And then there are others that are here tonight. You are 80% who you are or plus by what you've experienced in the past that breakdown, that failure, that loss, that hurt or something like that. It didn't, uh, it didn't pull you down, but it raised you up because you recognize that as a child of God, I've got a dynamic dynamo on the inside of me, the power of Holy Spirit that will not let me stay down. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to shed some tears and it doesn't mean that I'm not going to go through some valleys and some trials. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death sometime and the shadows all around me, but 
but it does mean this, that I will not let it keep me down. I will rise up. A weeping may endure for the night, but joy is going to come in the morning. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so you see, that that I've gone through has made me stronger. That's, that's what Peter was saying here. Don't think it's strange that you're going through these fiery trials because they're not to kill you, but God wants to make you stronger. Now, now understand this, guys. Doesn't matter if you're saved or not, you're gonna go through some trials. Doesn't matter if you're born again Christian, if you've got your name on every roll book in the area and you belong to every church around and you pay tithe every Sunday morning and, and all of that and you've been dipped and, 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 and uh, oiled up every week and all that, doesn't matter, you're gonna go through trials. You're gonna go through struggles. But he said this, he said, rejoice inasmuch that you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Whatever I go through, whatever I go through, Christ has already suffered for that. You need to get this. This is, see, Last week we talked about uh, there is no temptation that has, that has taken you or come on you that is not common to man. You see, so what Peter was saying, he said rejoice inasmuch that you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Have you been rejected? Then rejoice in that thing, guys. I know I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to me. Have, have, you been, have you been lied on? Then rejoice because Christ was lied on too. And you are, you are partaking in the sufferings of Christ. Bet you had never thought about it like that, have you? Probably all of you have. I just thought I'd come up with some, some theological breakthrough here that you never realized. And you're going to get on Facebook tomorrow and say, wow, pastor just, just opened this revelation up to me and I've never seen it before. We've got the greatest pastor in the world. But I know that won't happen. But anyway, but rejoice in the fact that you have been made partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed, you will be glad also with exceeding joy. Now, listen to this. Look at this in verse 14. He said, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Now, listen. I've been saying this over and over. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a heathen. You're going to go through some trials. You're going to face some. You're going to face some battles. Now I want you to notice what what Peter said there. He said uh, in verse 15, he said, "Don't let any of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters." Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Now listen, there are things that I go through in my life that I bring on myself. And the biggest portion of the things that I go through in my life that I bring on myself comes from right here. Because I... Amen. The, the other things that I go through in my life that I bring on myself are the things, the decisions that I make without praying them through. I jump up and do something and I don't pray it through. And when the bill starts coming in, 
then I recognize, man, I have messed up. I know you've never been there before. But see, what I'm saying is there are things that, that happen in my life that, that are happening to me because of decisions that I made. They're happening to me because of words that I say. You can curse yourself. You can speak uh, words over your life that will bring about the curse over your life or open you up uh, for uh for a, a curse or, or something bad to happen. So uh, that's the reason that you need to guard your words as a child of God, all right? So those things are. But listen, then there are other things that are gonna happen to me because we're living in a cursed world. Because everywhere around you is sin. We're in a cursed world, all right? And so, so being in a cursed world means that I'm going to be around heathens. I don't know where I'm getting that word heathen from, but, but you're going to be around heathens sometimes. You're going to be around people that are not Christian. You're going to be around people that have no respect for you as a Christian, not to even mention no respect for Christ. So you're going to be around that. You're going to be around people that even when you make mistakes, they're going, to, uh, they're going to do as Pastor Don says sometimes, they're going to tell you that you're number one with the wrong finger. And, 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 and so they're going to do that, and those things are going to try you, and those things are going to work in you to try to, uh, to get you stirred up. And that's what Peter was saying here, he said, listen, if you're going to suffer, don't suffer uh, as a murderer. Don't suffer as a thief. Uh, don't suffer as a busybody. But if you're going to go through things, uh, let it be because you're a Christian. Let it be because you're a child of God. And he said, don't be ashamed. Listen, don't hold your head down. And I, I've, I've seen people that would get that would get sick and they would be afraid to tell anybody they were sick because they were afraid that they were going to laugh at them or, or question their faith. I said, come on, come on. Listen, we're going to go through trials, guys. We're going to go through struggles. And, 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 and you're going to have, listen, you're going to need to take a Tylenol every once in a while. Some of you are probably going to need to take one after tonight when I get through hollering at you. All right, but but we're gonna we're gonna have aches and pains every once in a while, and we're gonna struggle. Listen, that doesn't mean that I lay my faith down and say, "Well, I'm gonna just accept what comes my way," you know. And 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 uh, you know, I, I'm I'm sick today, and I know that if I get through this, I'm probably gonna get sick tomorrow, and and all that. That that ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about whatever life throws your way. Understand this, that you are a child of God and that Jesus Christ is still on the throne. Even though you feel like trash, God is still God and he still loves you and he is still the Redeemer and the Savior. Hallelujah. Listen, and, I, and I'm gonna move on. I, I'm not gonna cover verse 17 through 19. Uh, but I believe that's where we are tonight. I, I believe things are coming in and things are happening that are, that are maybe unusual in, in some cases uh, because God is purifying the body. Amen? All right. But not every bad situation can be attributed to the judgment of God. God's not mad and God's not angry because I go through something. Because God is trying to prepare me and trying to build me so that I can be a vessel for his honor and his glory. And because I'm in a, in a world that involves sickness, it involves all these things, I'm living in that, and God is saying, I want to make you to where you can walk through these things and you can walk above these things and understand that you will be a light for me and salt in the world. Listen, 
and, and I'm, I'm going to say this and I'm going to move on. You know, John, uh, John the Revelator uh, was uh, that author or wrote the book of uh, the Revelation of Jesus Christ, a, a passage of Scripture or a part that we overlook a lot of times was that, that John said this. He said, I am on this island. I am an exile because of the gospel, because of the word of God. It's in, in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9. John said, I'm your brother and companion in tribulation in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. I was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And if you look that up and study a little bit, you'll see that John was saying, I'm on this isle because of the word of God and because of the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's what got him into exile. So we've spent a lot of time talking about Bad things going to happen. We, we've talked a lot about uh, these things are going to happen and all that. But now what's the answer to that? And I want to give you the answer to that. And I believe the power of a fixed heart, a fixed heart is the most powerful weapon that you can have. Uh, in Psalm 57 and verse 7, Man, this is only 7.34, guys. I got, I still got plenty of time. The power of a fixed heart. In, in Psalm 57 and verse 7, David said this. He said, my heart is fixed. Oh, God, my heart is fixed. Now, I'm not going to, read that whole psalm but it's a great it's a great psalm but I do want to give you uh, a little bit of, of history on that psalm according to commentators David wrote Psalm 57 either after or during uh, the time that he was in the cave and Saul who was chasing him and pursuing him trying to kill him, uh, David was in the cave or in that area. Saul heard that David was there. The Bible says uh, in 1 Samuel, I think 23 or 24, somewhere along in there, that Saul heard about David being there. And Saul gathered together about 3,000 men, came there searching for David, and, and went into this cave to rest and, and to sleep or whatever. David was in the cave, all right? Saul wanted to kill him and would have killed him if he had had the opportunity. That's where David cut off a part of uh, Saul's garment. You remember that story? All right? So, so here it is. In the midst of that, in the midst of, of Saul chasing David, trying to kill him, I would call that a fiery trial. I would label it as a fiery trial. And, and no doubt that David has questioned why is this man trying to kill me and all that. But he was trying to kill him. But in the midst of all of that, David said, God, my heart is fixed. Oh, God, my heart is fixed. Now, listen. If I were to ask you tonight, if your heart was fixed, what would you say? I'm sure that many of us, hopefully all of us, would say, yes, my heart is fixed. What are we saying when we say, my heart is fixed? You're simply saying this, that my heart is established and solid in its stand with Jesus Christ. Meaning that there is nothing that will come my way that will cause me to doubt who God is. See, that's the biggest thing that happens in the midst of trials sometimes is the enemy will come 
and want you to question the authority of God, want, to, want you to question uh, the sovereignty of God in the midst of trials. And sometimes we go through things that go so deep in us or that come so strong. I was thinking about this the other day during the storm. I talked with Pastor Sweeting uh, Tuesday, I think, yesterday. And and he was telling me, he said, you know, the, everything went good for them. They they had just minimal damage and all that. And he said, he said but, but Pastor, he said, I have never been through anything like that. The, the power of the wind that was just relentless. He said it went for hours and hours, just the wind so strong. And uh, some of us have, have been through those storms. And I thought about that. And, and sometimes we go through trials in our lives that there's just no let up on the trial. It's just a constant pushing and a constant blowing uh, against us. And it's in those times that we need to, to know that our heart needs to be fixed. David said, God, my heart is fixed. It's established on you. It is unshakable. It is unmovable. It is unbreakable. Uh, the trials that I go through will make me stronger. They will not diminish me, but they will make me stronger. One of the most powerful, and I said this Sunday morning, but one of the most powerful declarations of faith ever spoken in the Bible during a trial was spoken by Job when he was going through what he was going through. In Job chapter 13 and verse 15, Job made this statement. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him but I will maintain mine own ways before him. Listen, Job was, the Bible says he was perfect. He was upright. He was God-fearing. Job, by the book, did everything right. He prayed for his children. He was a good man. He was upright. He was righteous. He did all the right things. But listen, everything in Job's life fell apart. Just bam, bam, bam. It just fell apart. But Job made this statement. He said, though he slay me, I'm still going to trust him. Listen, that is a powerful statement of faith. And I'm sharing this with you guys because, because you've been through it. We've been through it. This church has been through it, but I want you to know that, that God forbid, but there are going to be other trials. And there are going to be other things that, that, that you will go through or I will go through, but I want you to understand this tonight, that, that it's in those trials that I must recognize that God is still God. He didn't step off of his throne and allow me to go through what I went through. He is still God. Listen, Job uh, went through all of this. And having to go through that, plus he had a wife and three friends. And you know the story. His wife looked at him and said, uh, Job, do you still retain your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, woman, you're speaking, speaking like a foolish woman. And he said, what? Shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall, not receive, shall we not receive evil? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. And then he had Eliphaz and Bildad and, and Zophar and Mopar and, and all the other fars and, and all that came along and, and tried to encourage him. Amen. You ever had 
You ever had the, the, the Eliphazes and the, all these and come along and try to encourage you? Listen, Job had all of that, but the Bible says that in all of that, he maintained his integrity with the Lord. That's, that's a big deal, guys. Now listen, I'm, I'm going to read this, and, and I'm on the last page, and we're going to close. I want to go back to 1 Peter chapter 1 this time, 1 Peter chapter 1, and I want us to look at verse 3. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. And I know you're probably saying, Pastor, I thought you were going to talk about I smell water. Uh, we're going to get to it in just a, just a minute. But in First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, Peter said this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I want to give you just about six things or seven things in that passage of Scripture that, um, that stuck out to me. The first one is, Peter said this, we're born again to a living hope. We're born again to a living hope. Listen, the enemy don't want you to know that. I have a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 4, Peter talked about an inheritance. And this is my inheritance, and your inheritance is imperishable. And what that word imperishable means is simply my inheritance is incorruptible. In other words, my inheritance does not contain the seed of death. My inheritance will not fade away. My inheritance doesn't contain that seed that takes away and robs on this earth. But my inheritance is imperishable. And then he said, it is undefiled. And that un word undefiled simply means it is pure. It is not stained by the sin and corruption of the world. And then thirdly, he talked about an inheritance that was unfading, meaning that the beauty of my inheritance is not fadeable. It won't fade. It won't fade away. Listen, my inheritance is undefiled, is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. So here's, here's the thing. When Peter said this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is undefiled, imperishable, and that doesn't fade away. You see, and then he said this, though you're grieved by various trials. Remember what he said on over in First uh, Peter 4 that we talked about a little while ago? Don't, don't think it's strange concerning these fiery trials that you're going through. Peter was, Peter was speaking 
to a bunch of people that were going through some trials. They were going through some battles. They were facing some issues in their lives. And he said, you've been grieved by these various trials, and they have tested the genuineness of your faith. You see that? They have tested the genuine, genuineness of your faith. But even in all of this, in all of the stuff Peter said that you've gone through, notice what he said. Uh, he said, though you have not seen him, yet you love him. Though you don't see him now, yet you believe him. Your salvation is going to be the outcome of your faith. Now, remember last week we I read the scripture out of 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 where Paul talked about no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted? That word tempt means tested. He won't allow you to be tested above that you are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Remember what we said. Testings will come. Their testing will come not to make us fall, but to make us stronger. We have to make that decision. The test that I go through, I make the decision whether it's going to kill me or whether it's going to make me stronger. Amen? I make the decision to allow that test to increase my faith or to decrease my faith. All right? So understand that. It's not up, it's not up to the person sitting next to you. It's up to me as an individual. Try, testings are going to come. When tests come, understand this. Number two, they have been experienced by other people. Other people have gone through what you and I are going through. All right? They've endured it, and they've conquered it. Hebrews chapter 11 is filled with people that have gone through trials, that endured it, they conquered it, and they made the, the hall of fame of faith. Amen? Number three, God will make a way of escape. He will make a way of escape. I, I remember I was reading this week the story of Jesus when he was ministering, and the Bible says that what he was talking about made the crowd so angry. They, they got so angry and so volatile that they began to, to gather up stones, and they were going to stone Jesus. And, and he was in the midst of this crowd, and everybody was going to stone him. But the Bible says that Jesus walked out, passed through the midst of that crowd. God will make a way of escape. You can be in the middle of your worst nightmare, but God will make a way of escape. Amen? Now, Job chapter 14. If you got your Bibles, you can turn there with me or, or you can write it down or whatever. But I just want to give you this scripture because this, this scripture really has spoke to me strongly over the past several months uh, that I've been uh, reading it. Job chapter 14, this is Job talking. He is, he is speaking to his three friends and a wife that have been challenging him on what all he's done wrong and all of that. And this is, this is just a portion of what Job responded to them. He said this, For there is hope for a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again and that its shoots will not cease. Though its root grow old in the earth and its stump die in the soil, yet at the scent of water it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. Now here's, here's what Job is talking about. He's talking about a tree 
that gets cut down, the tree that gets cut down is, is more than likely going to die. But he's talking about a stump. That even though the tree has been cut off of the stump, Job says that that stump can still bring forth life. He said because at the scent of water, now we know a tree or a stump doesn't drink water. A, a stump, the roots absorb water. All right? But he said, look what he said. He said, yet at the scent of water, it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. I read that several months ago, and God began to speak to my heart about the scent of water. And God, God began to, to talk to me about that, that stump and, uh, and, and how that, that the roots, listen, He's talking about something that comes from the roots, not above the ground. He's talking about a stump that has roots in the ground that are still searching and and breaking through the hard crust of the soil to get to moisture. And God began to deal with me about that. And he said, said, there are things that, that, that you will lose out of your life and there were things that 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 uh, that that you will that you will experience in your life. He said this. He said, "But understand that it is the root system in your life that will bring forth life, even when you think you have lost something that can never be play, replaced." God said, "It is the root system that is always smelling for water." And and God spoke to my heart and he said, "That is the reason that you need to stay in tune with the anointing. That is the reason that you need to stay in touch with the word of God." He said, "Because that anointing, that anointing is always leading you and drawing you to the scent of my spirit and of my presence. And he said, in that, it doesn't matter what goes on in your life. It doesn't matter what gets cut out of your life. God said there's a scent, there's a smell there, there's an anointing there that will always draw you to that that anointing and that power. And he said it is that that will cause life to come back even on a stump where the trunk has been cut away and, and the stump is just laying in the ground. And God said I will bring life out of that stump where everybody would look and say it's nothing but a dead stump. God said because of the sin of water for that stump. And I'm trying not to preach, but I'm just telling you, you, you got to understand that, listen, I've got, the, the only thing that comes to my mind is, is at the house, we've got sweet gum trees. And, and I don't, I'm not, sweet gum trees are not on my list of, of popular things all right I don't like sweet gum trees and and I cut them down and and I've noticed that when I cut them down I'll go back within a few weeks or a few months and there's little shoots that's coming up off of those sweet gum trees and God spoke to me and he said the sweet gum tree son is like the Christians in society today nobody wants the Christians around nobody wants them around they want to get rid of them he said but I want to tell you this that when they cut the tree off of it that stump still there and those root that root system is still going deeper and deeper and deeper in the hard ground and that root system is still smelling out and sniffing out the water listen that's the reason that you cannot keep me out of the house of God. That is the reason that you cannot keep my hands down on Sunday morning because I'm going to worship. That is the reason that I get up in the morning and desire and look forward to the time that I can get on my knees and pray because I am smelling water. I am scenting that there's water around somewhere and it is the life that God gives me. Amen? Hallelujah. I smell water. Get that in your spirit because I believe it's a word for God from God to you tonight. I smell water. David said, as the deer pants for the water brook, 
He said, so my soul pants for you, O God. I've got, a, I've got something on the inside of me that cannot be satisfied with a Gatorade. It cannot be satisfied with a Coke or a Pepsi. I've got something on the inside of me that can only be satisfied when I get a, he- a hold of that water that Jesus said to the woman at the well, I will give you this water and you will never thirst again. Amen. Hallelujah. Two minutes, rise up. Come on, get up. I'm going to quit. <laughs> I smell water. Hallelujah. I smell water. Listen, you can't fight your battles in the flesh. You can't deal with everything that happens in your life in the flesh. You can't point your finger at men and say it's their fault. It's time for us as Christians to recognize I'm going to walk through some valleys. I'm going to go through some trials. But listen, I've got a nose And my nose is bigger than yours, I can assure you. But I've got a nose that says, I smell water. It's what drives me. It's what pushes me. It's what causes me to wake up in the morning because I smell water, Brother John. Brother John and Sister Martha came, and and every time I turn around, he's walking up saying, God's going to do something in this church. Every, t- every time he walks up to me, he says, he says, you better get ready because God's going to do something in this church. And you know what that does? That just causes me to throw my nose up in the air and start smelling because I know that if God's going to do it, I'm going to smell it. I'm going to sniff it out. I smell water. What about you? Do you smell water? Job, listen, Job wasn't, remember where he was. He had lost everything. That that tree trunk had been cut off and nothing but a stump left. But Job was looking at that stump and he wasn't talking about doubting. He wasn't talking about cursing God. He wasn't getting angry with God. He wasn't cussing his wife. But he was saying, I'm looking at this stump and I'm seeing life is going to come because that stump's got something that I can't see with my eyes. It's got a root system that goes deeper. Listen, my root system is where my life comes from. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.